You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts tracking down threats and vulnerabilities and solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. To have an app in the Google Play Store, actually, there isn't a huge barrier to entry for that. That's Marcel Lee. She's a principal threat intel researcher at White Ops. The research we're discussing today is titled Another Day, Another Fraudulent App. There's a lot of apps that we've come across that, you know, they they don't have like a, a known website or, you know, it's not like Zynga. It could be you know, Marcel at Marcel.com has created some apps. So basically, they just joined the Google Developer Network and most of the exchange between the developer and, and the Google Play Store is done via API access. But yeah, like I said, the barrier to entry is, is pretty low. And Google, of course, does monitor for bad activity, but it's like everything else in this field, whackable. It's almost impossible to keep up with everything that's being placed in the Play Store. And so you all uh, set your sights on this app that's called Crazy Brainstorming. First of all, uh, describe to us, what does this app claim that it's going to do for you when you download it? Crazy Brainstorming is a game kind of app and basically like a brain teaser puzzles and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, that's what it was purported to do. It didn't really function particularly that way as we reveal within the course of our research, but ostensibly that's what it was meant to be doing. 
And so uh, I see this app. I think this is something I might be interested in and I download it. What happens next? When you install the app, it goes through a sort of interesting series of it will launch and put the icon on your desktop or your mobile app screen. And then it basically goes through this self-deletion process or what appears to be a self-deletion process. So the app icon goes away. You won't find the app listed in your like list of apps anymore, but it is actually still there. It just makes it so it's almost impossible for the average user to remove it. So why does it do this? It's kind of a, a good question, right? And really the main thing that this app seems to be doing is delivering ad content and also redirecting users to what appears to be, in our estimation, a malicious website. And so with White Ops, that's something that we are particularly focused on is looking for ad fraud. We work within that advertising ecosystem. And there's actually, um, and I don't know like the actual dollars involved, but there's lots and lots of money that's lost to ad fraud. So when I say ad fraud, I mean like an advertiser will pay for human clicks on a link or things like that. And then people like the developer of this app will cause ads to appear in ways that are sort of not proper, if you will, in terms mm. of how they are displayed and how they appear to the user. So there's many different flavors of ad fraud. And at White Ops, we go by, um, there's actually a, a taxonomy from mm. a group called TAG. It's the Trustworthy Accountability Group. And to sort of put it in context of like cybersecurity, it's almost like an ISAC for advertising industry. Mm. So it's like the same kind of things, but not exactly the same industry, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Tag puts out this invalid traffic taxonomy, and it has a variety of different categories of what's considered invalid traffic. And you have general invalid traffic and then sophisticated invalid traffic. So that's the kind of things that we're looking for is that fall under these categories. And then similarly, from more of a, a true cybersecurity perspective, we also use the MITRE mobile attack framework to categorize that sort of malicious activity. So we combine both when we're doing the analysis of these apps. This app installs itself, it hides itself, and then it's using, do I have the pronunciation right, the Tushu software development kit is what's running under the hood? Yes, that is what's running under the hood. And your guess on pronunciation is as good as mine. We call okay. it Tushu also. Right. But yeah, so the Tushu SDK is really the brains behind the whole thing. There are other SDKs within the app, but this was the one that was really creating most of the malicious activity. Things like the ad behavior. And then the other piece is where the app launches this game center thing that looks like an app and it appears on the screen as an app icon. But it literally is just a browser shortcut, not an actual app. And the tissue is behind all this this activity as well. And this is the part where the user is, they click on that, directed to the website that we discovered that was associated with all this. Yeah, it's interesting to me that in your research, you found that the ads are triggered by a bunch of different activities with a mobile device. So things like connecting or disconnecting from a Wi-Fi network. What are the things that it's being triggered by and why do you suppose it's interested in those changes of state? Basically, it's interested in those changes of state because it means that the user is actively on the device and is therefore going to probably see an ad that pops up. So it does these full screen ads that are completely out of context from the app. Like the ad pops up, you have 
absolutely no idea as a user where it came from. And you wouldn't necessarily be able to tie it back to the crazy brainstorming app because as far as you knew on your phone, that was like not even on there anymore, right? It looks like it disappeared. So they're not trying to hide the ads behind things. They are no. actually displaying the ads. Absolutely displaying the ads, which okay. is the hiding of the ads is another type of ad fraud where, you know, basically they're showing a bunch of ads that nobody ever sees. But these ones are seen and, and they're very invasive, too, because they're popping up full screen, as I said. And it's hard for the user to like get around them. Like pretty much the average user is going to probably click on the ad just trying to get rid of it. And that's mm. what's going to often take them to the other website. And that's when they make their money, I suppose. Yeah, they, they make the money from the ads. And then also there's even more crazy ad stuff happening in, right. on the website as well. So, but yeah, so things like network connectivity changes, the home key being pressed, unlocking the phone. These are all, you know, user probably initiated activities and, and would all give rise to an ad appearing. This crazy brainstorming app, it downloaded another app. It was sort of functioning as a dropper. So it wasn't actually another app. It just had the appearance of an app. Mm. So so it looked like something was installed called Game Center on the screen of the device. But in actuality, it was just a browser shortcut. So just imagine it was a hyperlink hidden behind an icon. And, and so as soon as you click that, you didn't actually launch an app. You just opened a website. And what was at that website? And so that was the H5 Games website. And there were various different sort of iterations, but h5games.top was the one that we we did most of our research on. Now we're talking about a traditional website and it's called Game Center. It appears to be a website that just has games for you to play and lots of advertising too, of course. And some of the advertising was legit, but a lot of it was somewhat less than legit, I guess I'd say. Mm -hmm. and, and then the games themselves, when you tried to actually play a game on this website, it didn't really work. Like it was really laggy or, you know, you would click on things and, and nothing actually happened. So the game aspect of it didn't really seem to be legit at all. Were they trying to download malware onto your system as well? Yeah, so this was actually pretty crazy. I don't think I've ever seen a website quite this busy with trying to install things on your computer. There was just a lot of pop-up ads. And like some of the ones that we saw were, there was this thing called Doc to PDF, which was, you know, ostensibly an application that would allow you to convert, you know, like I say, a Word doc to a PDF. And that one, I think we have a screenshot in the blog about it. The permissions that this particular file requested were kind of crazy, right? Just accessing all kinds of information and reading and modifying bookmarks, storing client data. So that was one example, but there were many, many different ads that kept popping up. And it was kind of funny, Dave, because like almost all of these, they were either like an executable that you would download or they were a browser extension. And the browser extensions were often bundled with, you know, their own little search engine or whatever. So if you started to download all these, you would basically have like all these different browser extensions that were like kind of tripping over each other, trying to be the search engine of choice. So <laughs> trying to push each other out <laughs> yeah. ahead of the line. Exactly. So it was kind of funny. When you say this was, these were trying to download executables, I mean, we're on a mobile device. Are these desktop executables or are these things to, designed to run on the mobile device? So these are actually desktop executables, which is sort of interesting because, huh. you know, you would think 
it's not really going to work on a, a mobile device. So the only thing I can think with that really is I did see some suggestions when the site was still up that you could use this app in an emulated device on like your Windows desktop computer. So say you're running some kind of Android emulator to play games, which apparently yeah. is a thing that people do. It's not a mm-hmm. thing that I do. But but yeah, so if you were doing this on a Windows desktop, then absolutely these executables would impact you. But I mean, overall, it didn't seem like terribly well thought out from that aspect of it. And another thing that kind of pointed to being kind of, uh, I don't know, low-level player or noobish was the advertisements when you clicked on them in the website, they would just launch like within that same tab in window. And like, if you actually wanted to go back to the website, you, you had to do that. You had to hit back and websites don't render ads that way, right? They don't want you mm-hmm. to go off to another site and then lose your attention. So that was a bit of an anomaly in terms of just sort of normal behavior. Now, in terms of the actual crazy brainstorming app, you all dug in there and you found that it was likely borrowing code from a legit app? Yes. We discovered a bunch of references within the code to this other company, basically, and their app. And when we dug into that, we discovered that it was a legitimate company, at least it appeared to be. And, you know, they had a number of games. And so we did this code comparison and turned out that like at least 70% and probably more of the code was exactly the same in the crazy brainstorming game part as in this app from Renshin. So so basically, they just lifted the code from another game, but it didn't work very well because it kept like the code was so copied that it was calling back to the legit company for information and it just oh, wow. didn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Walk through this with me, my, my line of thinking here, because it sounds like the crazy brainstorming app never actually runs. You can't actually play crazy brainstorming on your device because the first thing it does is it hides itself. Yeah. Basically. So do we suppose that that code is in there to get it past code review? It could be. I'm speculating here because yeah. I don't really know, but but that would make sense trying to get past code review or or just to at least have the appearance of a real game. Because, I mean, there is, before it deletes itself, it drops that game center shortcut. and. Right. You could theoretically play it for a bit there, but like we said, it doesn't really work. So yeah, it's a bit odd because really the delivery seems to be of primarily the ads, which never really stop. And then the redirection to the website that we talked about. I don't know. It didn't seem terribly sophisticated in terms of being able to see exactly like what the purpose was of this thing. So. It also leaves me scratching my head that uh, there were over a million downloads of this. Yeah, in like a month. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and uh, are there no reviews? I don't know about you, but before I download an app, I I generally check the reviews and I can't imagine there would be positive reviews for an app like this. So any, any insights there? So this is a bit of a mystery to our team as well. We haven't quite worked out how an app like this can show that it has a million downloads. We doubt that it legitimately had a million downloads. So there must be some way to like spoof that. And that part we haven't figured out yet. But we've seen this with other apps and it's just, it makes no sense for like an app of this nature to be on the Play Store for like a month and get a million downloads. Just I see. Unless the other thing is, you know, do they have bots like driving 
the activity and really was a million downloads. So we're yeah, not sure. But they're using that display of a million downloads as a misdirection for people to say, oh, well, if a million people downloaded this, it must be good. Exactly. And we've I seen see. that with other apps, too. So I don't know how they do it, but I would definitely say it's a spoofed figure, not real. OK. So, yeah, you bring up a good point because I tried to caution people all the time about being careful about what they are downloading on their their phones because I think the average person tends to think if it's coming from the Play Store or, or you know the the iTunes store, then it's probably legit and, and mm -hmm. that just isn't the case, right? So so like you said, looking at the reviews is a good way. And this app did not have good reviews at all. People were like, it doesn't work. It's nothing but ads or you know, things mm -hmm. that were true. And then if you look at like the developer, that's something that I will look at as well. And and in this case, the developer was a Linda Wang, which is sort of weird. Usually it's like a company name, not a person's name. Their contact information was just a random like Gmail address. All these are things that would be red flags to me. Like I want to see like a known developer and like an actual website that I could go to to check them out as opposed right. to, you know, this sort of thing. Now, suppose somebody downloads this, it's on their mobile device. Was, was there any hope of your average, you know, mere mortal removing it? It would be really tricky for the average person to do it because, you know, like I said, it, it the icon itself disappears. So you can't do the little like finger drag to un uninstall mm -hmm. and it doesn't show up in the list of apps either. So you would basically have to go into like settings somewhere where apps were listed in another capacity and and remove it that way. But it wouldn't be an easy thing to do. Yeah. All right. Well, what are your recommendations then for folks to protect themselves against this? I mean, what are, what are the red flags? Well, some of the things I said, you know, before you even download it, but, but once you've downloaded an app, you're going to get a notification of what sort of permissions that app wants. This is another area to be cautious because, you know, if it's like say a crazy brainstorming game app and it wants to know where you're located and you know there's different locations too like general versus sort of like a very granular does it want access to all your contacts so on and so forth there's a lot of like sort of permission red flags for me i also recommend that everybody has antivirus or anti-malware installed on their mobile devices because that saved me more than one time in terms mm. of not getting dinged by an app that was malicious or a website too. It'll usually protect you from from bad browsing stuff. So I always recommend that. And it's surprising, Dave, like hardly anybody I know ever has that on their phones. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think folks have a, a little a false sense of security. I think they think that these app stores are going to protect them. Uh, and that's not always the case. Yeah, it really isn't. It's just, like I said before, a whack-a-mole. There's, there's just too much out there to keep on top of. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I will say as a general rule of thumb, like I don't recommend installing like apps that are flashlights. Flashlight mm. apps are notorious for mm -hmm. carrying malware with them. And most phones already have flashlights, so it's a little redundant anyway. Also a lot of apps that say that they're antivirus are sometimes malware as well. So Again, you have to be careful, like, who is that publisher of that app? You know, is it coming from a known antivirus company or is it coming from Linda Wang? So there's things to look out for. Our thanks to Marcel Lee from White Ops for joining us. The research is titled Another Day, Another Fraudulent App. We'll have a link in the show notes. 
And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and Zero Trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. The CyberWire Research Saturday is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.